Welcome to Granite State Golfers with Micah. I'm an avid amateur golfer in New Hampshire. This podcast dives into the stories of the top amateur golfers in my home state. We are about to tee off. Please join me. This episode features my interview with Jim Silly. Jim has won the Mid-Am, the State-Am, and last year received New Hampshire Golf Association's Player of the Year. Jim was a lot of fun to talk to who has some great stories, and he also has some great advice for golfers. I hope you enjoy. Jim, welcome to Granite State Golfers, and thanks for coming on the show this morning. Oh, Micah, thanks for having me. Let's just start in the beginning. Where did you grow up? When did you get into golf? Who got you into golf? My dad got me into golf, and I would like to say it was probably about five years old. I mean, I don't think I started playing a significant amount until I was probably 10 or so. I, I hit The story he tells me is that he cut down an old Gene Sarah's and four iron, you know, men's club, way too heavy. And uh, I would go around Pheasant Ridge and Guilford with him when it was still nine holes. And Jim Buckley, the, the late great pro that was over there, would come out and hang out with us a little bit. And um, and that was how I kind of got introduced to it. I just, you know, my dad, uh, my dad was like the local scramble legend up here in the lakes region. And probably, uh, I think his claim to fame is that he was the 1985 Pheasant Ridge club champion. And he beat Peter Hool, who I think later on that year went to win the state. Am. <laughs> so well, they, they asked him if he wanted a trophy or a sweater. So he took the sweater and it was a size men's medium and he's not anymore. So <laughs> that, um, that doesn't get worn very often. And uh, I think it's probably like a child size small at this point from the years of everything shrinking. But, you know, that was um, was my dad's claim to fame. That's kind of how I got my start. And then I think it was 91 or 92. I uh, joined Laconia Country Club as a junior member um as i was kind of heading towards middle school because i was going to play on the golf team for belmont uh in seventh grade dale nims who was our elementary school um phys ed teacher and probably the uh one of the more decorated female golfers in the history of the state you know she convinced my dad and me to have me play and for, on the team because the team was kind of like a startup um, so I played varsity events as a seventh grade and eighth grader. Wow. Um, I think she told me that I was a, th- I was a three-year freshman. She told me in, in the <laughs> eyes of the, the golf community, the NHIA, but that's how I kind of got my start. And then after a couple of years being there, my dad and, and mom had split up and my dad decided that the $50 or $150 at Laconia was too much for him to spend. So I got the $50 junior membership at Loudon and learned how to play out of the bark mulch. You know, uh, it was back when they first opened, they shredded all the trees and left them on the side of the fairway. So there wasn't really rough. It was fairway and then wood chips. <laughs> but you know what? It was uh, it, it was a good introduction. And then I, I obviously I got to go back to Laconia for a bunch of years until it probably I got through college and the course renovated. And and then uh, after college, I ended up uh, going down to Canterbury when Canterbury opened. And okay. Kind of spent a lot of time at Canterbury, yep. Beaver Meadow, and a lot, a lot of ties to the Concord area. Let's go back to high school. Um, how was the high school competition? How was your team in high school? Well, I don't like to like honestly compare it like, because I think junior golf right now in the state of New Hampshire is far better than it, it ever was. But I mean, I tell you what, when I played in high school, and I wasn't even, I was the number two guy on the team a lot. You know, we had a kid named Eric Dinsmore who he hasn't really done anything since high school. He's a great architect from what I understand. Uh, I have lost, I've lost contact with him over the years, but 
Eric was, he had the best swing I'd ever seen. It was long and fluid. It looked a lot like Payne Stewart's swing. You know, he was just, just naturally gifted in the golf swing. And he was our number one guy for most of the events. He and I kind of jockeyed, you know, again, you know, we played with, you know, Mark Baldwin, Mark and I, um, I think I beat Mark in the 93 club championship at Laconia, a little nine hole club championship. I think he's three or four years younger than me. So I was kind of at the uh, top of the age range and he was at the bottom, but, but I played with him. I played with all kinds of, uh, trying to think of some other guys that were back then. I mean, it was just, I felt like, like Sam Natty. I mean, Sam Natty again, I mean, Sammy's back playing amateur golf. Uh, after a few years as being a professional. And Sam was as good as it got when we were kids. I mean, he won my junior and senior year. He was a freshman and sophomore and he won the club cha uh, state championship both those years and uh, beat me out. And so it, it, we had some really good competition. Nowadays, I mean, I think the competition is really good too, but I, I, I think that I've seen some score differentials and we were, we were winning matches, you know, shooting 33 or 34. And then Today, I, you know, I went and watched the high school match, and I think that the medalist was like shot 45 for Belmont, and I was like, wow, that's a considerable difference. But, yeah. um, but, but then again, you've got junior golfers now that have kind of come up through, you know, the Brandon Gillises, the Jack Browns, the guys like that that are now perennially contending at the amateurs and, and other events, and, um, and, and they're doing kind of the same thing that we were yeah. back then. So I guess maybe it's just depending upon the division. But. Yeah. When you left high school and you were thinking about college, where'd you end up going and was playing golf in college a consideration? Yeah, so I wanted to play in college. I, I thought that um, that was a big goal for me because I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And everybody's like, oh, you're just going to go get your business degree. You'll be fine. I didn't really focus on anything. I focused on sports in high school, you know, as much as my mom made me focus on my grades and really focus on a direction of, of what I was going to do after I get out. Um, so I knew that I just wanted to play golf. Uh, play golf or play baseball in college and I could have probably done both but golf was a little bit easier of a of, of a sport to participate in college than baseball would have been I would have seen marginal time so um so anyways I ended up going to St. Joe's in Maine um and my story to get there is kind of weird it's, it's different um I had because I was going to go for business I was being pushed to go to Bryant or Sally Regina or someplace that would probably make our athletic I mean our guidance department look good in Belmont you know so I ended up going on a tour of Bryant. Um, they, I put a room deposit in because I got accepted before I even took a tour of it. And I went down there. We played Juana Moisit, which is obviously a fantastic New England golf course. I never felt right being there. I just felt, and I had some partial scholarship opportunity over at URI as well. Um, but I didn't really want to go to a big school. I mean, I was from Belmont. You know, we had 400 kids in the whole school. I didn't want to go to 400 kids in my dorm, you know. So anyways, I ended up, I was kind of struggling with the decision after I'd already made it. Because I didn't feel like Bryant was the right fit after being down there. I felt like I didn't fit in. Like I was more blue collar and that was certainly a lot of uh, white collar pretentiousness and things like that. At least that group of kids was at the time. Yeah. And so I, I ended up getting a call from St. Joe's, from the coach, uh, Mike McDevitt. And uh, Mike's probably the winningest, I think he's one of the winningest D3 women's basketball coaches in the country um, as well. Uh, his winning percentages are incredible. But he was a golf coach at the time too. And he said, hey, why don't you come and play Points of Bago with me and the athletic director and we'll go out. And, you know, there's no pressure. Just come take a look at the campus and, and see if you have any, you know, if you, if you you know, I know you've committed to Bryant, but if you change your mind, you know, we'd like to be your backup school. So I said, well, free round of golf, a golf course that looks pretty cool online. I guess I'll go do that. So I went up there and played with those guys. I love the golf course. Coach was great. Uh, Rick Simons, the athletic director, used to be the men's basketball coach. 
he was great. Um, so I decided I, it really was a good fit. I mean, I, the, my tour was great. I loved the campus. I loved the location. It was close enough to home. I said, yeah. so I made the decision. I said, sorry, mom, I just cost you 150 bucks in that room deposit, but I, I want to go here. So thankfully my mom was okay with it and, and, and it worked, it worked out pretty well. Good. What, tell me some of the tournaments you'd play in. What other schools would you guys play in in college? I mean, Husson was our big rival, um, and they seem to be one of the better Division three uh, teams nationally. Uh, so we played, you know, I mean, there were kids like Joey Alvarez is one of Maine's best golfers probably of all time. He and I played, I think, every single college match together. Like if we played in the same event, we always ended up being paired together. And it's kind of funny because now we'll play tri-states and we're always – playing each other it's like if I don't play Joe in singles or if I don't play Joe in alternate shot it probably didn't happen you know? <laughs> um and 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 to that a couple of years ago when COVID was you know here I think two years ago we we weren't able to have tri-states because of you know restrictions and you know states or whatever so Joe and I actually coordinated to get like a Maine versus New Hampshire Ryder Cup style tri-state match um we just didn't invite vermont because they had stronger sanctions yep. and uh we played at rochester you know my friend mitch jefferson's the pro at rochester and he said well, we'll give the course up for you for a couple of days and so we played a rider cup over there and we had some local sponsors my real estate company sponsored um my um my friend at the time um her brewer her brewery sponsored it and so we had you know we had some some beverages for the for the gents as well but um but yeah, we, we just wanted to make sure it kept going. And of course, Joe, Joe and I played each other first match up. So <laughs> no, I was just going to ask during college, were you also playing in NHGA events or when did you start playing more regularly in NHGA events? My first NHGA event was my senior year in high school. Um, I played in the junior at Campbell Scottish Highland. I got disqualified for signing an incorrect scorecard. I shot 74. I would have been like the two or three seed. I mean, I'd never played any big event before. And uh, I had, uh, I was sitting at the table, the kid that was marking for me, which I want to say is Derek McAllister. And he's probably going to give me shit about it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Derek. Uh, Cause I think we played together. Anyways, he started marking on the front nine. We started on 10 and, and, and I shot 37, 37. So the numbers looked right. It was 74, everything added up. But the second hole with the 11th hole is a par three at Campbell's and the second hole is a par five. So I'm sitting there, you know, and they've got my scorecard. I'm still sitting at the table. I get up, I walk away and I go, uh, Gary Philippi at the time was the director. And he goes, uh, Jim, he goes, you made a two on, uh, on, on, on 11 or the second hole or whatever. And I go, I go, yeah, I made it par three. I, you know, he goes, no, the second hole is par five. He goes, you signed an incorrect scorecard. You disqualified. And I was like, Son of a and I'm like, you had the card while I was sitting there. You know, you could have said something new. Like, good learning experience. Yeah. I, fortunately, I've seen some friends get disqualified for signing the correct cards, but I still have yet to do so. Oh, good. So, um, but that, but that was my introduction to NHGA events. And then I always followed it, but I didn't think I was, I didn't know that I was good enough. I was still focused on like college or high school stuff. I didn't know that it was an option. Like our, our association back then was strong, but it wasn't nearly what it is today where there's a big push towards junior golf. I think, I think Matt Schmidt and, you know, Greg Howell when he was here and now he's with New England golf and, you know, Kinsey and Kate and everybody with the, you know, NHGA staff right now has done such a good job of facilitating and growing the game. It was such a good hire. It really has, you know, given us a, and that's not to take anything away from the last staff either. I mean, John Jelly, Jeremy Sprints, I had such great times with those guys and they were great to me over the years, but 
I think Matt's kind of elevated it to a new level and our junior golf program has really taken off because of it. So, you know, we see juniors, these six, 14, 15, 16 year old kids playing in the amateur and making match play. Like that, right. I was trying to figure out how to break 85 when I was 14, <laughs> you know, but then I came back to New Hampshire after college, after I graduated college, Oh, three, uh, that summer I didn't, I tried to qualify for the amateur. I made an eight on the 17th hole at Jack-O-Lantern, which I don't even know if it's a golf course anymore, up in Woodstock. Yep. And, um, and I didn't qualify to get to the amateur. So then in 2004, the amateur was at Laconia. I was living in South Carolina that winter because I tossed around the idea of turning pro and working at a course. And then I decided not to. And when I came home, they were like, you know, the, the Ragged Mountain was the last qualifier that had any spots left. And it's not even a golf course anymore. And it was the most difficult golf course I ever played. I was the only guy in the field, I think, to break 80 that day. I think I shot 78 and won the qualifier. I didn't expect score was like 84. There was like 90s that got in. And so I went to Laconia and that was my first amateur. That was my first introduction. And after that, it was kind of like, I was kind of hooked. I had started playing golf at Canterbury and Beaver Meadow. And, and I was working at Beaver Meadow for Eddie Deshays as the pro. And um, I got to you know, Mark Stevens, Craig Sear, who obviously have both won the amateur and been very accomplished and started to kind of learn a little bit more about how to manage my game and not just be a guy that, you know, can play some good rounds, but how to play real tournament competition. I mean, and I'd won a couple college tournaments. So, I mean, I, I knew how to play a little bit, but those guys really playing with them and competing with them on a friendship level and playing matches with them at Beaver every day kind of elevated it a little bit more. Yeah, let's let's talk about that a little bit more. One of the things that I'm trying to do with this podcast is to ask successful, really good golfers like yourself to impart some advice, particularly for golfers who maybe, you know, are decent single digits, but either haven't competed yet in NHGA events or are thinking about it. So you, you mentioned that you picked up some good advice from those guys. Um, what have you learned through playing a lot of tournament golf now could be different aspects to managing yourself, managing your mental approach, but what sort of, what have you learned along the way that might be helpful for other people who are thinking about getting into some tournaments? Well, I think it's a work in progress always. I mean, I think that I think I learned things about myself and then I find out that I didn't know anything about what I thought I knew. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, with that being said, I think I've learned, I'm, obviously the more you put yourself in the position, the more you can pull back on other, other things. Like I, you know, I'll, I'll, the stroke play, for example, I mean, I, I think I had the lead after the first two rounds a couple of different times, like in 06, 08 or something like that. And then didn't even come close. I fell apart, finished, you know, 10th or fifth or something, you know, because the, the thought of winning kind of crept in before the thought of this shot first, you know, I mean, I think the one thing I've learned over the years and I really become pretty good at it the last few years, I think, and which helped me kind of have a little more success now in my forties and, you know, even back, you know, when I was in my thirties and, 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 and playing is that I think you, you, you can kind of focus and compartmentalize on one shot at a time. And that's the old adage, but it's really just kind of getting down to it. Like, okay, I hit, I, I hit the ball into the woods. Like is a five going to kill me in the grand scheme of things? No, you know, it, I mean, am I going to make three out of the woods? No. But if I hit the ball back in a play and then I just focus on the next shot and hit a good shot or I, or I make a putt, you know, it, it's kind of that situational thing. I think that's probably one of the reasons I've been a pretty good match play player over the years. It's, you know, I, I kind of wear people out. Like I don't make a ton of mistakes. And when I do, I get myself back in a position to have an opportunity to kind of put pressure on them. Like, I mean, one of the more demoralizing things you can get is when you hit the ball in the woods, 
All right. And the other guy's in the fairway and he hits it to 25 feet thinking, I just got to make par to win the hole. And you pitch it out, you knock it on and you make a 20 footer for par. That, that, that's better than making birdie or eagle because right. that guy, it just went like plated, you know? Um, and I think that, I, I think that's kind of like been my game all these years. I think I've, you know, really learned well how to do that. I mean, and I, and I, obviously you've got to practice. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. I don't spend a ton of time at the driving range itself. Um, I used to spend a lot of time on the golf course and then having kids and, uh, girlfriends and wives and, you know, stepkids for a while and things like that. They all kind of take you in different directions. So it's kind of managing your time a little bit better to get better. But I think the more time people can practice chipping and putting and hitting different shots around the greens and learning how to spin the ball around the greens. And then really, I would say probably the best thing that I do, I, you know, cause people ask me all the time, what do you, what's, what's the best part of your game? And I'm like, she's, I really don't know. Cause I don't even, you know, even with all the accomplishments, I still think that I'm not very good at a lot of different things. Like I don't pound the ball. I don't hit it as straight as I could, you know, as I'd like to, you know, I have trouble hitting lines a lot. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't hit the ball high, you know, um, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not like the best chipper of the ball in the world. No, I don't think I'm the best putter. I miss my share of putts, but I think that the best aspect of my game outside of the mental, not making much mistakes would be that getting the ball in the hole from inside of 10 feet. I think that if you make like the, the five to 15 footers and you can kind of save your rounds on some of those situational putts and you can figure out how to get the ball in the hole there, I think that saves you a ton. Yeah. So if you can do that, and 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 I guess kind of going back to the original part of the question, because I think I've circumnavigated it. I think just getting people to slow down and take some breaths on the course. Like I know that man, when I, this pressure and you're looking around and everything starts, the clouds are moving, the, the trees are moving, the people are moving around at the amateurs, the people everywhere. I, I think just kind of slowing down and just kind of like letting yourself settle in, and then you know, really going through a consistent pre-shot routine, you know, really trying to um, picture a, a, a target. I mean, I might be one of the more quick players in the state. Like I, you know, I'm not bringing, there's, there's no human rain delay here. You know, I, I don't, I don't very often even take a practice swing unless it's a shot that I kind of have to rehearse. So like a, I'm trying to hit a slice out of the woods or something. I'm rehearsing the shot, just trying to get the feel of it. But if it's something where I'm just going to try to visualize the shot while I'm waiting for my opponent to hit, I play ready golf, I get up, get over the ball there's not much thinking going on because if there is it's not going to be a good shot and i just pull the trigger and i hit it i do all my prep work leading up to the ball yeah. you know that's good that's all helpful advice thank you um yeah. let's you've had a you've had some big wins in the state let's get into some of those and um you got named player of the year last year you had a really successful year but let's go back a little bit further to your stadium win in 2011 at nashua um, now, 11 years ago, uh, I'm sure you probably still have some vivid memories of that big win. Take me back to that tournament and what you remember about it. Well, I think I think the biggest thing is go back even a little further than that. The, the, the tournament that made me realize that I could compete with all these guys, you know, with the, the Craig Stekowiches, with the Craig Sears, with the Mark Stevens, the Phil Pleats was actually in 2008 when I won the Mid-Am at Concord. I, it was the first year they let people that, the Mid-Am used to always be 30 and older, which I never thought made sense because the USGA does 25 and older. So they finally, probably after enough of my whining about it, reduced it to 25 and older. And I would think I was 26 or 27 at the time. So my first try, I ended up winning. 
um, just played really, really solid for the first two days and had a five shot legal in the final round. I'm like, whoa, what just happened? You know, like didn't didn't know that was going to be the case. And then kind of had a little up and down in that round and was able to hold on and win. That made me realize that I could, that I was yeah. good enough to play with these guys. Um, I didn't anticipate anything coming out in 2011. Going into, I was playing terrible going into the event. I remember our club championship at Beaver Meadow was the weekend before the amateur started. And I lost... I think I shot 78 the second day from the white piece of Beaver Meadow. And I lost to a guy that was wearing a t-shirt that says, I came, I swung, I swore. I'm not exaggerating that. He's a local legend, Len Shattuck. He's a local legend of Beaver Meadow. He's won a million club championships there. You know, that's his great. His nickname's Chumley. Just picture this guy. You know? <laughs> he's one of the best. But anyways, so I, I lost. And, and I mean, I remember I played a, a Concord and a, a member, member guest that Friday. I had like two different putters in the bag. I couldn't figure out what I was going to use. I was like, I'm like, my expectations at Nashville were very, very small. But Craig Sear had turned pro. He was living in Austin, Texas. He still lives in Austin, Texas. But he came back up here to play a bunch of the regional opens. And he told me, because I played up at uh, Bangor Municipal and he was going to play the Bangor Open. Um, he said, if I caddied from up there, he'd caddy for me at the amateur at Nashua. I said, well, I guess it's a trade-off. I mean, I don't, <laughs> probably doesn't make a lot of sense for me to go <laughs> for you because for me, because I'm probably going to only be here a few days the way I've been playing. But so anyways, it, he kind of just gave me a little tip with the putter, you know, basically I was kind of having, I had a controlled decel in my stroke and he basically was making me pause a little bit and I just started rolling everything in at Nashua. Um, it was the first time I'd ever seen the golf course. I really thought that the next year at Concord in 2012 would be the year that I'd have the opportunity to maybe contend and win. But um, after getting through the, the round of 32, which was the first time I'd ever done that, I kind of, I, I got a couple of matches where kind of guys just gave it to me. Like, I, I mean, they, they hit the ball in the, I hit the ball in like down into a bad spot and then they hit it into a worse spot and I'd win the whole of the bogey, you know? And it wasn't until probably the quarterfinals that I started playing really good. And, and then I played very well to beat Nick McDonald in the finals. And I think I was eight under on the front nine between the two rounds. Um, also, and I know the national members will love to hear this. I'm going to, I'm going to give them a little bit of a right now. They rerouted the golf course, which is stupid. Like it should go back to the way it was every day of the week. You know, they, they changed the whole routing of the golf course. So they wanted the 14th hole to be the 18th hole. And it just doesn't make any sense from a match play standpoint. You had the 16th holes of par five, 17 holes of drivable par four, and then 18 kind of had like an elevate. It was like you're in a wedge into an elevated green. It's tough to get it close. It was a great finish. And now it's just kind of not. <laughs> so, anyway, that's just my, I'll make friends today with the national by <laughs> saying that. And uh, um, last year you won the stroke play championship. Where was that held? That was at King, King Country Club. Again, course that I never really had a ton of success on and played a lot. Uh, I know I gave Derek McAllister a little bit of crap earlier, but I can't give him enough credit for how good a shape he's a superintendent there, <laughs> how good a shape the golf course was in. Um, an interesting event for me, like I was going through some personal struggles, uh, you know, with some relationship things and I got to the range um, and I was not feeling very focused on golf uh, <laughs> for the final round. I was a couple shots back. We, just weird, just a weird week really altogether. I mean, like the first day I had a new driver and, and, and a different putter in the bag than I had been using because I was struggling with both. And I shot 73, I think. And the second day I put the putter I'd been using um, back in the bag, but I didn't go back to the old drivers. 
kept the titles one in the bag, which I hit even worse than I did the day before, somehow scrambled to make another, to shoot 73 again. And I was two shots back of Cam Sheedy. Um, and Cam's a great player. I beat him up at uh, North Conway um, uh, in the quarterfinals of the Amber. And he uh, he's just long, he's a kid, you know, just, I thought it was, you know, I'd have to play very well to beat him. Um, and then I, the, the first hole at Keene is a short par five. And then I hit it a little bit left off the tee, which wasn't a big deal. That's the safe place to miss it. And then I was trying to hit five wood to the green and I hit it a little skinny. I hit a tree and it dropped down in the hazard. And I'm going, oh my God, the easiest par five in the state. And I'm going to make like bogey or double on it. I ended up making a good six. Um, and Cam was in the green side bunker in two and he blades the ball out of bounds and he makes seven. And then by like the seventh hole, I had the lead. You know, because he had a cut, he had driver in a couple spots that I would have, if I was his caddy, taken the club out of his hands. But um, very aggressive player, and all of a sudden I have the lead, and um, we get to uh, eight, which is a long par four, and I birdied eight, nine, and ten around the turn, and all of a sudden I've got a four-five shot lead, and I played extremely conservatively from that point in. <laughs> you know, I think fourteen, and I don't think I hit a wood off the tee. It was four <laughs> iron, four iron, four iron. You know, kind of came in, and then. Uh, ended up, you know, ended up winning by two or three shots over Steck yep. who finished second. So it was a, it was a pretty good event. I mean, I remember really, really hot too. Like it was really warm. I feel like the stroke play is always like that. It's like that August tournament where you're going to drip the whole time. Right. Right. You know, and as a big guy, I, I, I sweat in an igloo. So, you know, <laughs> playing in, you know, 900 degree heat was, uh, it was, it was a good event. So you, you play right now, your home course is Laconia. Yeah. Yeah, so I grew, obviously I grew up there, and then uh, a few years ago, um, Charlie Wheeler used to be the general manager at Owl's Nest, and he came down and took the job at Laconia. And I talked to him, he's like, ah, Jimmy, you should get back in. I mean, there's a lot of good things at the club here. You're in the area, because I was living in Tilton. Um, and I said, yeah, I, I just, I'm not like, you know, real estate's good, but it's not like, I'm not at that position where I can kind of up that part of my life, you know, that fee. And then... Um, we moved to uh, the house in Belmont. Now I'm like eight minutes away from Laconia Country Club. And I'm right on the Laconia line. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I probably should do it. So a buddy of mine who was working for me at the time, because yeah, I, I own On Course Realty Group, and he was one of my um, one of my agents. He said, oh, he's like, all the guys over there are saying we got to do it. And I'm like, I guess now's the time. So he's like, we got to get on the list. I go, wait, there's a list? <laughs> he goes, when's Laconia ever had a list? Um so we got on the list. He was one. I was two. Uh, and thank God we did because now there's like 200 guys on the list. Right. <laughs> so uh, we both got in last year. And this was my second year back at the club. Um, I couldn't be happier. The practice facilities are fantastic. And uh, I spend more time there than I do on the golf course. Actually, my price per round is probably a, a little bit uh, higher than I'd like it to be. But, you know, I, I wear out the, the putting green. I get an hour or two here or there, you know, every day or so to get over and, and work on something. So, yeah. Um, that's been that's been worth it. And plus, the the atmosphere over there is really good. I, I enjoy a lot of the members in a meeting. It's a different membership than when I was a kid. And like a lot of the old school blue collar guys are gone, and we have a lot of guys now from, you know, that are their 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 lake houses and things like that. There's, there's a lot more of that, but it's um, it's a, it's a good group of guys. A lot of a lot of fun guys. I, I'm yeah. having a good time. Over For there. the tournaments that you are really set on for this year, uh, obviously the stadium. You mentioned the mid-am, you're a regular. Uh, that, what other events are you really focused on for this year? So the first event that I always focus on is the four ball. I play with Mike Mahan, um, who plays out of Portsmouth. 
And Mike and I have been playing as partners since 2009. We met each other in 2008 at the stadium. We had a pairing at Lake Winnipesaukee. And um, with it was he and I and Josh Chamberlain. We're all 40, 41 years old now. So we were all whatever it was that many years ago, 28, 29. Um, we all get to be pretty good friends. And so Mike and I have played forever together in that event. And we won it in 2010. You know, lost in the seven-hole playoff in 2009. Won it in 2010 and then have been in the top five, you know, like nine out of the last 10 years, haven't been able to get that next win. And then fortunately, uh, it's at Owl's Nest every year. And, and um, a couple of Thursdays ago, Mike and I won in a four hole playoff in the darkness, in the rain. And it was yeah, like the pictures look pretty dark. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, truthfully, I, I joke with people because, you know, they, the girls put a, a video up of the putt that I made to win on the fourth playoff hole. I couldn't see. It was it, that that was much lighter than it was at the golf course. I you know Mike had hit a chip and it broke left and right and left and right and left and right. It, it was wobbling and it was just rolling straight. You know I couldn't. My eyes were playing tricks on me. I actually called him and I go, "What do you? I like an eight footer. Like, what do you see here?" He goes, "I think it's left edge." And I'm like, "Okay, well, I'm gonna guess that that's left." <laughs> so just hit it and went in. So it worked out because I didn't want to have to drive all the way back up to Owl's Nest for a one hole playoff right. the next day. Um, but that's always the first one. So that was good to get that one under the belt and, and get a win there, you know, because that's been something that we've been trying to do for a while now together. Um, but I'll, if I played that, I'll play the players this weekend at Baker Hill. Um, and then the amateur, I have a scheduling conflict kind of at the amateur. Um, I'm supposed to uh, be doing something. So I'm not actually signed up yet. I'm not sure that I will. I'm, 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 let me rephrase that. I'm going to sign up, but I'm not sure that I'll be able to play in the amateur this year. I, I'm hopeful that I will be and. There's, there's a 20% chance that I won't be. So yep. and kind of preference that. Um, and then I used to play the open and try to win low am, but now I'm kind of se selective of when I play in that. Like I'm not, it's over Breakfast Hill this year and nothing against Breakfast Hill. They do a really nice job over there, but it's not my favorite golf course and it's not a golf course that I play particularly well. And it's also on the seacoast again. So it's a, with daycare issues or, or summer camps and things like that, trying to get the kids there. It's, it's not one that I'm going to kind of, Playing. And then I'll play the stroke play again. I think it's at three different courses this year, which is a completely new thing for us. But it's a, you know, COVID kind of made the golf industry boom. So nobody wants to give up their courses anymore right. for, you know, free. Well, it's not even for free because we, I know the association pays them, but they can make more money having this not there than they used to be able to. Right. Um, and then, uh, and then I'll play the mid am and I'll play the mid, uh, mid am team championship. That's at Mount Washington. It's two days. It's an alternate shot. Mike and I won that two years ago, which is kind of cool. Um, we play in that again. And then I'm playing in the match play championships this year too. So I, I think I qualified as the three seed for that at Stonebridge a couple weeks ago. So I think a couple weeks I got a match at Beaver Meadow. And if I'm able to win that, then I'll play a match at Keene in the quarterfinals. And if I win that, I get to go to Baker Hill for the semis. And you win that and you play golf in New England for the for the finals. Fun. So that'll be a, that'll be a now, yeah, I mean, if they spread it out over the whole summer, so it's kind yeah. of cool. So yeah, you you win that, I think you kind of, you know, you kind of have a good feeling that you've had a pretty good year because you got to play pretty good, you know, yeah. throughout an entire year. Um, but and then I, I played some one day, I played some one day things too. You know, I play some let's stroke play series. I like to support the association, and and then yeah. I play the tri state matches again. So I, I got a pretty full schedule, but it's it's toned down a little bit from what it used to be. Yeah, you know, I think What's I played more tournament golf. Let's talk about what's in the what's in the bag. Uh, let's start at driver, right? Oh, it sounds like you swap out some stuff, um, maybe a little frequently. But what's currently in your bag? 
Well, actually, it, I don't really that frequent. I, I kind of tried to a little bit last year, and I kind of went back to some other things. I So driver, I have the SIM, tailor-made SIM driver from a couple of years ago with a uh, just a stock stiff Diamana Plus 60-gram stiff shaft. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not an exotic thing. I Actually, I, I got a fitting next week. I'm, uh, Todd Rollins used to be our pro at Laconia. Um he got done after a bunch of years being there and he's opened up uh, his own shop um, where he does club fitting and stuff in the lakes region. Um, so uh, he and I are going to get together next week and I'm going to uh, go through an actual professional fitting, uh, which will be fun. I haven't done that in quite a while. I used to see Kenny Collins down in Manchester, but they're so busy now. I don't even think I can get in there until September. Yeah. So, so I'm going to go see Todd and Todd will do a great job. He's got all the same stuff. So it'll be good. Um, but yeah, so drivers that sim three wood is new. Just put a new three wood in. I've had the same three wood for probably five or six years. So I uh, just put in a um, a Callaway, um, whatever the new Rogue ST, I think it is, yeah. uh, low spin. You know, put that in the bag. I I, I really like that. It feels good. I can kind of work it both ways. Um, it, I hit the ball the, the height that I want to. For me, trajectory is a big thing. Like I, I like to be able to change it, go up and down with it a little bit, and and. I can do that with that club and I also can hit it off the fairway as well as hitting it off the tee. My favorite club I think right now is my five wood. I, I hadn't played a five wood for years and I put it in the bag last year. It's a Sim Max, the original Sim. So from a couple of years ago, but Sim Max uh, from TaylorMade and I love it. I mean, that club, that club was real good to me last year in a lot of different events. And, and I still, I mean, if I've got a shot that I've got to hit from, you know, 220 out or so, rough fairway, whatever the line may be, the five woods, you know, good. It hits the ball nice and high and floats and, and stops fairly quickly for me. And yeah. um, uh, it's been, it's been a big bonus. Um, and then I play, uh, the irons are going to get replaced at some point this year after the fitting with Todd. But uh, currently I've been a Mizuno guy for a long, long time. Played a lot of, have a lot of different Mizuno clubs. I just feel like the feel is better than anybody else. So we'll see what happens with that. But I've been playing the MP18s, the MMC versions, which are a little more of the cavity back, but still a player's club. Um, they're like a half inch longer, uh, dynamic gold S300 shafts in them. So I'm not like, I'm not, I don't swing it as hard as some of these kids. I don't have the old X flex or anything anymore. Um, and then wedges, uh, wedges I change out quite a bit. Like once a year, I get new wedges usually because, you know, you just hit a lot of them, especially in New Hampshire. Our courses aren't overly long. So I have currently, I have, um, two Cleveland wedges in the bag, which is new for me. I mean, I haven't, I haven't had Cleveland since I was in college. I played a lot of Vokey stuff. And then in the last few years, I played some Callaway wedges that I really liked. Um, but I tried to change the tailor-made ones, which I did not like at all. Um, and I ended up going to the Zipcore RTX uh, ones that Cleveland makes in a 50 and a 54 degree. And then my 60 or my 58 degree hasn't been changed yet. That's still the SM8 Vokey that I had before. Um, and then putter, putter is a, a, a tailor-made spider uh, chalk putter. Uh, I put a Superstroke Flatso 2.0 grip on it. It's it completely different than anything I've ever used. I mean, I have, I still have the, the that putter I use the AM with. I pretty much won every tournament I ever played with until last year when this spider went in the bag. But um, I had a nice old center shafted uh, Futura Phantom Cameron that I got for $35 on eBay in 2009. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it's still, it's still, she still pokes her head out every once in a while. <laughs> so they remember me. Um, what do you play no, for the, a ball? The spider's been really, uh, I play the, the TaylorMade TB5X. I've been playing that for 
probably five or six years I switched from from the Pro V1 X to that ball. I think it's a little more stable in the wind. Um, I, I also don't overspin it. Uh, I know like the Tylus balls, I kind of seem to always overspin or they float a little bit. Um, that's how I got it. And I am not a fan of the Callaway stuff. I, Bridgestone makes a pretty good ball and Strixon makes a pretty good ball, but nothing I would put into play in competition. Just real comfortable with the with the TaylorMade. And funny enough, I started last year playing the Pix version of it, you know, with all the little triangles on it. Yeah. Looks like Duffy Waldorf's, you know, ball. <laughs> it's got all the markings and stuff. I which I of course when I, I actually a kid from Nashville, Bryce Zimmerman, who's a pretty solid player himself, tossed one to me and said, You gotta try these balls. I was like, You've got to be kidding me. There's no <laughs> chance I'm doing it. I can't do, I play with my dad and the father. I remember playing with my dad and the father son a few years ago when we won at Stonebridge and uh, he made me play the yellow ball because he couldn't see anymore. I'm like, oh my God, this is awful. And, and then, so then he tosses me this triangle ball and says, hey, try this. And, and I, and I'm like, I'm not going to, all of a sudden I started making putts. My chips got better. I'm like, what the heck, what's going on? Apparently just made me stay focused. My head's still a little bit longer and, um, and it flies the same way as another ball. You can't tell the difference when the ball's in the air. So, okay. um, how do you, it's um, been pretty good. So I, how do you, how do you mark your ball? I always, uh, I always use a red marker, you know, Belmont high school colors, um, uh, red Raiders. So I, I always use a red marker. I use it red over the, over the, you know, the alignment line on the side of the ball. And then, you know, if I'm using a, just a plain white ball, I put two dots next to the number on both sides. And obviously the picks ball only has one side. So I put the two dots next to just the number on one side. Um, but that's how I've always done it. You know, I, having those little triangles helps because not many people play that ball. So I, you know, it's usually pretty, <laughs> you can define it pretty easy. Right. Last section here I call gimme short, short, allegedly easy things to answer. What's your favorite Nothing course? <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite course in the state? Uh, in New Hampshire, uh, it's, that's a, that is a tough one, but I, it's Laconia. It's probably Laconia. I just really like playing Laconia. Um, if you ask me what the best course in the state is, I know the guys at the club would probably hit me for saying it, but it's not Laconia. It's Golf Club of New England. That's our only USGA championship course, uh, that could host an event, but, uh, it'd be Laconia. And probably my second favorite course is probably Baker Hill. Those are okay. probably the top two. That's a good, that's a good list. Um, favorite club in the bag a couple minutes ago, you mentioned your five woods Is that your current favorite club. Yeah. I mean, the five would be the current one. I think the putter is probably pretty close. And I actually like the lob wedge that I have too. I hit that a lot. I chip a lot with it. So, uh, but five would probably be my favorite club just from the standpoint that I can, I can do a bunch of different things with it and it helps me out, uh, some tough situations. All right. Multiple choice. Uh, what's your favorite shot, a smoked driver, uh, a flush mid iron or draining a long putt? always the putt you know it's always making a putt uh those other ones you know they're great but the putt's the one that gets the ball in the hole good um uh, favorite pga or lpga player that you like a lot right now well, i still like tiger i mean tiger would still be my favorite i'd actually go this is again probably dating myself now as the the longer in the tooth generation here for your listeners but um but I would say that Freddie Couples has always been my favorite player. As when I was growing up, I mean, him winning the Masters in 92 was the greatest thing that ever happened. Like, I, you know, when Nick Price was the best player in the world in 94, I was like having arguments with my stepfather about how Freddie was better than he was. So, um, and then LPGA, <laughs> I mean, Nelly Cord is pretty awesome. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Various reasons, but yeah, Nelly Cord is probably my favorite. Okay. Um, 
And is there a golf course anywhere in the country, the world that's on your bucket list that you've not yet played that you really would love to play? Uh, so it's funny. I, I played most of everything in upper New England. Um, there's some courses that I very much want to play in mass that I haven't yet. I, I think the, the number one course, though, that I'd like to go out and play um, probably, and it's probably more than one. I'd like to go to Bandon Dunes. I think I, I really like to go out to Oregon and play out there. Um, I've only played once on the West Coast. I've only been to the West Coast once. So, um, but I think that Bandon Dunes would be one of them. Um, I, I mean, Kiowa, I played, I played all the courses at Kiowa when I lived in South Carolina and the ocean course is probably the best golf course I've ever played. It's yep. fantastic. So good. Um, but it, 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 of course, I'd like to play. I and mean, again, I, I don't ever have a short answer here, but Band and Dunes is probably probably it. You know, I haven't been to Pinehurst yet. Um, I'd like to go to Medalist, and I have an invitation to go down there and play down there as well. So I'm going to take advantage of that this week. Nice. Um, but I, um, I've been to Bandon and I can vouch for the need for you to get to Bandon. It's a fantastic place. I kind of want to play Chambers Bay too. Like I know they had, the greens weren't very good for the open when they were there, but it was just such a cool looking course. Yeah. And I know Nick, Nick McDonald told me how good it was when he played the U.S. Amateur there and I think 09 um, or, or 2010, whenever it was there. And he said that it was like, you could, he's like, I hit three iron off of one tee and it went at like 380 yards. You know, I'm like, that's my kind of course because I don't hit anything 300 <laughs> Yards, but no, I'd like to go overseas too. I've never done that. I'd like yeah. to go over and play, you know, uh, in Ireland and, and Scotland. I really want to play St. Andrews just because, I mean, if Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods say that it's their favorite golf right. course in the world, it's probably pretty good. Right. You know, I know the easy ones people would give you are probably Augusta or Pebble Beach and those places. I've never played either of them, obviously, but uh, I think that, you know, I want to play golf courses that I think are going to be super fun. And I, you know, obviously Augusta's fun, but it would be fun and Pebble would be fun. But I think, yeah. you know, Bandon's probably the one I'd like to go to the most. Um, we'll wrap up with the last question, which I think is the the one I love talking to fellow golfers about, which is why why do you love this game so much? It's obviously been a big part of your life. And what is it about the game that you that really attracts you? I think, I, I, truthfully, I think the socialization aspect of it really attracts me and the competitiveness about it. It's the one game that you can play your entire life. I mean, it, it legitimately, you can compete until you're 90 if you want. I mean, the, the handicap system allows that. Now, is there issues that I have with the handicap system? Sure. Like, I don't like give it as many strokes as I do, but, um, but you can still compete. You know, yeah. there's still a, you know, a level of that. And um, I think that, you know, to me, that's the big thing. And then, like I said, the socialization, like, it's funny. I, I had an ex-girlfriend who told me I don't have any dad friends, like my kids' friends. I don't hang out with people around here. I'm like, I've got so many friends. She goes, yeah, really? Who? And I'm like, well, I start rattling off names and like people I play golf with, like all over the state. Like we don't hang out in Belmont all the time, but like, you know, like I got friends in Dover and Portsmouth and New Boston and, you know, it was all over the state that, you know, that, but they're like, we talk every day. They're, they're my friends. And it's like, I developed all those relationships on the golf course, all my business. I mean, hell, I've been a real estate broker for 11 years. And I would say that 90% of what I get is referral based. And it's all, almost all inclu inclusive from, from the golf course. Like yeah. people, people know me from here. They refer me to this person, refers me to that person. And that's how I get, you know, the listing or that's how I get a buyer. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, I, I think the reason I love the game is because it touches, it touches you in so many different ways. I think that it, and it just, and then, you know, you just top it off with your outside and the elements and your spending. It's a, it's a way that forces you to be outside for four hours and, you know, in nature. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. really can't go 
better. No, right. I, I completely agree with that. Well, thank you, Jim. I really enjoyed this. It was great talking with you. I appreciate you coming on the show and I wish you all the best with your golf season this year. Well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm glad to come on and glad to be able to maybe add a little bit of uh, humor to your show. And No, ab absolutely. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. Granite State Golfers is produced by Dew Sweeper Productions. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time, tee it up, have fun, and go low.